All right. Hello, Idiots on Parade, the Too Ugly for TV podcast, bonus podcast. And when I say bonus podcast, that means it's uh, me and my good musician friend, Barrett Antar Goodwin. Hello, Barrett. Hey, how are you, sir? I am well. And joining us is a fellow comedian, a friend of mine. And we just were discussing his last name because it's been a while since I've talked to him. And I said, okay, I'm not going to lie. I don't remember if it's Oske or Oske. And you explained to me that uh, you're okay with either just because it's been mispronounced a lot over the course of your life. Yes, that is correct. Usually they put a G in there somewhere. Uh, <laughs> somewhere? But, I, I think I know where the G goes. But I will say this. Uh, that's like... That's that is my real last name, but my original uh, family last name was Asha Hauschkanowski, and really? my grandfather had it shortened. Yes, that is a uh, a good shortening. That's that's uh, I would yeah. do that. It was like fourteen husband. letters long, and so they uh, <laughs> he couldn't get a job when he came over because he sounded Polish, and I guess back then they hated the poles. And so, I'm sorry. To be fair, we still do. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so he changed our last name to Oske, so it would be more in script and uh, harder for people to tell he was Polish. Well, fair enough. Yeah. I, uh, as a uh, very strong German ancestry, take uh, umbrage with your existence. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't come invade your apartment or home. <laughs> I appreciate right, that. So uh, I didn't, I didn't give anybody a topic to talk about tonight. Um, mm -hmm. Not going to talk about the election because everybody's talking about the election. So one thing uh, Barrett and I like to do is not talk about what everyone's talking about. Mm -hmm. Cool. And I had a thought, and so I will begin and allow you to start to digest and uh, and and gestate what I'm about to say. And see if uh, this starts a discussion, sparks any ideas, and we can go from there. I'm I'm wondering about uh, in the world of art, in comedy and or music or any art, if there is a correlation between garbage in and garbage out. And I know art is all subjective, so you can't really label it garbage. But I'm going to tell a story or give an example without using any names because it's not my place to shit on anybody anywhere, here, anywhere. I have a friend who uh, would not be a friend if I named him. <laughs> but he, he, he was a comedian for, I would say, a decade and never made it out of the open microphone phase. I mean, never even made it up to host because he was not good. He just was not good. He, he would fumble <laughs> on stage and he had okay premises from time to time but he just could never get laughs, but he really wanted to be a comedian and I would support him the best I could. I would talk to him. And so I never really, I never analyzed like, why is he not good? Why is he not great? Um, call him Bob just because I don't know anybody named Bob. So I, I never really analyzed why is Bob not good? And then, and this has nothing, again, art is subjective. I'm, I'm not a real fan of Bruce Springsteen. I have nothing against him. In fact, I like a lot of his songs, but I, I've never been a got to purchase his songs, gone to see him live. Bruce Springsteen to me is when he comes on, I'll be like, yeah, okay, it's a Springsteen song. I'll listen to that. But I've never hunted him down. That said, 
have either of you seen Springsteen on Broadway, the the Netflix special, and or on Broadway? Uh, I saw a little bit of it. Okay. I I fucking loved it. Yeah. And that's the only reason I told you that I'm ambivalent about Springsteen, just because I'm trying to give a, a, a sense of where I'm coming from, because I decided to watch it and could not have loved it more. Fantastic storyteller. I mean, the song's fine, but the, the way he captivated the audience and the stories he told, mm-hmm. it was just a mastercraft class in, in stage presence. Yeah. And so I told my comedian friend, Bob, that he might want to watch it. And he said, nah, I don't like Springsteen. And I said, okay, good. Neither do I. Like, I have nothing against him, but I, I'm not saying like, dude, Springsteen's the best. You have to watch this. I'm just saying you should watch this special to learn about how to present yourself to an audience. And he's like, nah, Springsteen sucks. I'm like, okay, <laughs> please try and watch it. So finally he said he did try and watch it. And he gave up after 10, 15 minutes and said, no, it's just boring and stupid. And that's when I had this thought, which I'm sort of long-windedly leading to, which is, oh, he doesn't understand great art when he sees it. Therefore, when he gets on stage to try and do his thing, that's why he fails. And again, art is subjective, so you can call whatever you want great. But I think that every so often, there's something everyone can agree upon. Even if you don't love an artist, you can still admire, like for me, call it Chris Cornell. I never liked Soundgarden, but I always understood. I get him. He's got a great voice. He's a talented guy. I just don't, I'm not in tune with what he's doing with it. And he didn't have that ability to recognize and learn from something. Does any of this make sense? And, or I will turn the floor over to see if you guys want to go anywhere with it. But the, the premise was, do you need to have good input in order to have good output? And this goes with anything. Um, television, like uh, people that watch crap shows and want to become television writers then turn around and write crap tv or if <laughs> like all in the family will you create a better like the south park said they wanted to create an archie bunker and created cartman like they obviously were dipping into great art i will shut up now uh any either of you want to go first well i mean i'll say this before we start i think jeff you're more than welcome to go first but you do know that when your friend watches this and goes hey he told me to watch that springsteen thing and i only watched 15 minutes of it and then i told him it sucked <laughs> you do know, you know who you're talking about right if anybody watched my podcast that was a friend <laughs> right. the only I mean, people who out and say they watch this are people that don't know me but the people in my <laughs> Group that should be supporting me and saying, dude, I, I keep track of your podcast or I, I, I retweeted your promotion of your new album. They fucking ignore me. So I, I have no doubt okay. that you can see this. All right. I, I just wanted to throw that out there just because <laughs> we're not so far into it that we can't start over on a different topic. But no. as long as you're cool with I am confident that this friend, will, that I, I'm, yeah. <laughs> All right, I mean, I have lots of thoughts about it, but Jeff, why don't you, why don't you go first? Oh, no, by all means. Uh, I, I would love, uh, I'll, I'll sit back for a few minutes. Let me hear what you got. Um, I agree with you all. I, I, I think it is garbage in, garbage out. I very rarely know anybody who I really admire artistically who doesn't have what I would consider solid influences, right? Like, Um, And I think the Archie Bunker thing is a great example. I feel like people who wrote sitcoms in the 70s grew up reading books, watching plays, 
or reading, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. And then in the eighties, they were watching the seventies sitcoms and they were, the eighties ones were generally worse. And by the right. time the nineties came along, they were watching the eighties ones or they grew up on, you know what I mean? And they just got progressively worse because people stopped going back to the source. Whereas like- well, to, to interrupt you, what you're saying, it just gets watered down. Instead well, of going the, the, the well, you are just, you're, you're, you're like a teenager cutting uh, alcohol. You know, you're, you're dumping right. ice in the, uh, yeah, or water yeah. in the vodka. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I feel like with the South Park guys, they went back and it shows because the show's really funny. To me, right? I, I know sure some people don't find South Park funny, but but I feel like they went back and that's what they did. I'll say this. When I was a beginning bass player, I didn't listen to, to a lot of the great bass players. I just didn't, you know, whatever laziness. I was like, oh, it's too hard. I'll wait till I'm better. Then I'll learn these hard songs or whatever. And it really, there was huge holes in my playing based on the fact that I had never gone back to the source, right? Like when I was learning jazz, I wanted to learn all the, only the songs I wanted to know. So I could like, like hack my way through these really complex tunes, but I had no foundation of like the Duke Ellington stuff or the, the real meat of like what led to things. And it wasn't until I went back and really revisited that stuff and got immersed in it that I really started to see myself grow as a bass player. You know what I mean? Like, well, I, I kind of needed the foundation that came from the greats who came before me because I didn't make up the bass. You know what I mean? Shit, all those notes been played before, you know, and not studying that stuff really left me with huge gaps in my playing until I went and filled them in. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if that completely relates, but but I feel like there is a, a bit of it you have to kind of sit at the feet of the masters a little bit because we're not making this shit up. You know what I mean? Like, we're not, you know? Yeah. But that's just a thought, so. No, yeah. I, I agree. I And I, I'm, I'm doing it to this day. Like, for the longest time in my career, I didn't really watch comedy because I lived it. Like, I would go every right. week and see a new comedian live in front right. of me on stage. And yeah. so when it came to like watching comedy in my spare time, I'm like, I don't feel like doing that. And <laughs> you have to, like when Chappelle puts out sticks and stones, you can learn from that. When yeah. Bill Burr puts out his latest, is it paper? Uh, paper the one from England. Yeah, yeah. Paper, yeah. You can learn from that at any level. So yeah, I, Absolutely. I it Absolutely. does. Jeff, yeah. you want to jump in? Uh, I think like I was trying to tell my kid this tonight because he's like addicted to video games. He's like a thirteen-year-old boy, and and he's doing online school, so like he's just on the computer from like eight in the morning to like ten at night. And I was like, dude, yeah. like, like you need to get because he was doing uh, mixed martial arts, but uh, with COVID, like, and the gym shutting down and shit like that. So I was like, you need to find another entry. Like, you're just one-dimensional. Like, you need mm. to find another. Some, you need to be more well-rounded. So I think, like, I think I agree that it is garbage in, garbage out. But I think you also have to consume some of that garbage. So you can, you know, so you can be like, 
oh yeah i don't want to do that that <laughs> is garbage and uh and know the difference you know what i mean like know yeah. that because a lot of times i don't know about you but there's been times where i was like oh i have a brilliant idea and then i try it at an open mic and it bombs ass i'm like i don't know why that bombed and then like three years later you see somebody try the same thing because you aren't as original as you think you are and you're like oh that's why it bombs because that's a shitty idea like <laughs> So I think yeah. like sometimes you have to work the process out and get some of the garbage out and, you know, uh, but you got to balance it out with, yeah, you're Bill Burr, but then go and watch your open mic guy who you're just like, oh my God, like this guy's going to murder somebody someday. Like he <laughs> has serious mental issues. He's not up here for any other reason to have six minutes with a microphone to spout his <laughs> bullshit like oh there's some crazy sons of bitches that are putting stuff out but those people inspire me at the same time like because i'm just like i don't want to do what that guy's doing jesus christ yeah well you if i can if i could jump in you, you said something i thought it was fascinating because i didn't even think of it you said to your about your son uh, that you you want him to be um i think it was multi-dimensional just multiple no. sources multi just, just uh, and that I have two thoughts on, and one is a personal, I'm a snob and an asshole and I can do better because when you talk about garbage in, garbage out, I, I ignore things like the Kardashians. I fucking ignore them because I hate them. But then <laughs> so often, every so I will see a comedian that will talk about the Kardashians in a way that makes me go, shit, if I watched them, I bet I could insult them that way or come up with that kind of joke about them. Right. But I, 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 I distance, I, you know, turn my nose up like an idiot, but maybe it would be good for me to get into the mud a little bit or just to have input from everywhere so that I'm well-rounded and, uh, and right. relatable. There's, there's also easier That's ways to I've already it. forgotten. I said I had two thoughts. <laughs> I forgot the other one. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I feel like, like being like, I don't do the, kind of gigging thing. I mean, obviously nobody's gigging these days, but even in the past like 18 months to two years, I haven't been like kind of playing with like 30 or 40 different people every year. You know what I mean? I'm playing with one person mainly and yeah. then a handful of other people. You can see that you're like, I don't know if you can see yourself, but a lot of it is this. I'm getting a half face quite often. Sorry. Yeah. How's that? Better? Excellent. All right. Um, but I'll say this about the Kardashians, you know, we'll love them or hate them. I'm per personally not my thing, but I don't know that it's worth it to watch them to get a joke. There's better ways to get jokes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, like the amount of hours you'd have to spend to craft one joke, unless that's going to be the joke that makes your career. I don't know, dude. Life is funny enough. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, really, you know, but... Well, well I, maybe I, maybe what I'm saying is that is that I should be open to it and instead sure, of immediately absolutely. dismissing it as beneath absolutely. me or garbage, just be like, all right, like you just said, not my thing. But if I sort of know they're on the periphery, maybe just being open to it, like like I don't have to study it. Like, okay, I'm going to watch a ten hour marathon of Kardashians and write a joke. But instead of instant dismissive, be open right. to everything. Like one day I got iced in in Philadelphia and had to stay a day longer and ended up watching 10 hours of uh, live tuna fishing. 
on cable. And well, and it wasn't until they 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 brought these tuna in, and it takes them like six seven hours to reel one tuna in, and they bring it on the boat, and like men lay next to these things, and they're twice the size of a grown man, and twice as wide and twice as thick, and I was like, well. If those were the two fishes back in Jesus's day, like those could feed a big ass crowd. Like they never tell you what kind of fish it was. Like it didn't dawn on me till watching like nine hours of tuna fishing that maybe that's how Jesus performed the miracle. It's just two gigantic fucking tuna. Like yeah. easily you could feed the crowd. Like yeah, but telling people that Jesus fed everybody tuna for sandwiches just doesn't sound. Good. <laughs> I like a nice tuna sandwich. <laughs> inspiration comes from the strangest places. You did not sit down and say, I'm going to watch tuna fishing and write a joke. No. You were watching tuna fishing and it occurred to you. No, that's not a joke. That's me figuring out how Jesus performed a miracle. Like, that's better than a joke. That's like figuring out some Bible shit. <laughs> did, it, did it renew your faith? Uh, well, no, it made a miracle believable to me. Okay. I'm like, oh, well, no, they never mentioned the kind of, like, if they were like, oh, Jesus had two bluegill and fed the masses, then I'm like, well, that's a fucking miracle. But if he had two of these gigantic fucking tuna, oh my God, you could have easily fed a large crowd easily <laughs> with a fish fair, fry. Spitballing off what you are saying, just, just off the top of my head given that we don't really know, we're talking about a thinner population then, not physically, but just in terms of, you know, there weren't 7 billion people on the planet. Right. So a crowd could have been like three people because, you know, everyone else died at birth or died before they were 10. So <laughs> this year, wow, this is, you know, like rock star status. If you had like, he had 12 apostles. I mean, to find 12 people that were alive that made it to, you know, 25 back then that's a crowd that's a following that's a cult right there that's a jim jones type cult now you got to have a billion hits on youtube to be somebody back then well followers wow shit you were someone I mean, what again, no you first <laughs> i'm sorry uh you brought up colt and i keep on seeing this ad for this like is it nexium or nexum or like where the they documentary the sex cult yeah, it's like the guy just got like 160 years or 120 years in prison. 120. Yeah, what was that about? How how come I never hear about the sex cults when they're going on and I can get in on some of that <laughs> sex cult action? I always hear about it after the fact. Yeah, I used to have a joke saying I should create a cult. I mean, when I see the, the cult leaders, I'm like, I, I, I think I, I, I'm... I could do what he did. If he, if he can do it, why can't I? And yet I can't even get my own friends to watch this, which is why I can insult them when I tell them to watch Bruce Springsteen and they don't. So, oh, very... Your friends are like, you know what? I never give Nathan stuff a chance and, you know, I should watch it and see. <laughs> well, wow. you, I mean, Barrett knows how often when we do talk politics, I say, well, consider all the stupid people I went to high school with. I just say it like that. I don't care if they see it because I'm willing to tell them that and have like, well, okay, first of all, you're stupid. And then we talk about why they're voting the way they do or why they don't understand. <laughs> yeah, so I, I do quite our often. Boy Trump in office. Was that? Keep our boy Trump in office. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. Um,
Hmm. It's funny because, like, you know, having played with, like, I don't even know how many different people over the years, I do find that when I meet people whose influences are really shitty musically, when I listen to their music that I have to learn to go play shows or something, the music's generally really shitty. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There is something to be said for influences being bad. I do think, though, that being said, I also know people who have really amazing influences and their music is still shitty. Do you know what I mean? I do. I, right. I, was, I was thinking something else when you said that. We can go down because it, it does just because you have good influences doesn't mean you're going to be great. Um, right. I, you know, I, I'm probably a living example of that. Just because I like <laughs> good things doesn't mean I'm any good. I suck. But fuck, I had a thought. Uh, oh, generally, when you have good influences, doesn't that mean you strive to be more like them? Like that. I don't talk about this often, but. Uh, you know, Jeff won't know this. I told Jeff, he said, how do you know uh, this guy? I said, oh, we've met in college. Uh, it was music school. It was Berkeley College of Music. I used to be a bass player. And huh. he actually uh, taught, me, taught me the first handful of tunes I know. Yeah. That guy and right there. Now huh. you are a bass god, and I can wow. barely keep up with Nikki Six. Nikki Six writes great songs. Uh, doesn't really, you know do much on the beast base doesn't need to he's a great songwriter <laughs> anyway uh where was i going with this oh I, I was in a band before i was a comedian and i thought we were all we were all right but like any bands we fought and broke up and i had uh the the uh pulp fiction come to jesus alcoholics moment of clarity where i i'm sitting there and going i'm no sting i'm a pretty good bass player but i'm not a songwriter I, I, I can't sing and play that well. I can't sing uh, shit. And so I transitioned <laughs> to comedy because I never wanted to be that musician. And I, I don't know how Bon Jovi does it. Like he's <laughs> very comfortable in his own skin, but I could not imagine being Bon Jovi and, you know, meet Sting or Peter Gabriel and go, I'm a musician too. It, it just, it would embarrass me. And I had that moment where, and maybe that's why I failed as a musician because I had that inner tension or inability to have that confidence or be comfortable but i i never thought i could meet you know someone like like muzz skillings and say hey i was I, i'm in a band it just it didn't and so i transitioned away because i would have strived for greatness and in my own mind fallen short or maybe just because i had the limitations in my mind i created them in reality i don't know and i don't know how this relates hmm. to anything other than me saying that when you have good influences maybe you strive to be better well Maybe uh, when you have shit influences, you don't strive at all, or you just think you've achieved it. When you when you achieve their shit level, then you're like, yay, we made it. Because last week, Barrett and I were talking about hair metal bands, and it's like, maybe Cinderella only wanted to aspire to be Poison, and when they got to that level, they're like, yay, we're as good as Poison. It's like, yeah, you are, maybe. <laughs> Actually, Poison has a couple toe-tapping tunes, so. Uh, I would say that I don't know. There's times when in stand-up comedy, it's like, oh, hey, I'm on the same show as so-and-so. Like, you feel like you've kind of, like, are verified. Like, even if no one knows who the fuck you are, like, other comics are like, oh, no, you're at our level. You can come and play with us tonight or whatever. But then, like, 
I feel that there's times, I don't know, where influence takes over too much where like, you know, you go and watch an open mic or not even an open mic. You just go watch a show and you're like, oh, I can tell you your three favorite, that dude's three favorite comics. Yeah. Or, yeah. Like all night long. Just, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> I won't name him cause I do like him and he's a good friend and he doesn't do this anymore. But I hadn't seen a friend of mine. Uh, maybe I could name him because he wouldn't care, but I'm not going to. I, I hadn't seen a friend of mine in a year, and I went to see him because. Uh, and I'm like, and and he was, and, and when he got off stage, I said, "Did you open for a tell recently?" And he said, "Yeah, last couple like two weeks ago." I'm like, "Okay, it's in your system." He went, "What?" And I'm like, "I just knew that he had worked because he hadn't done it before, but he just picked up Dave Attell and was doing it." Um, but let's let's switch this. To I you. did that working with uh, Jimmy Pardo. Yeah. Like, uh, after a week with Jimmy Pardo, like I just talking with my, at home with my kid, it's like, who are you? I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, I just, you pick up their cadence. Like there's yeah. some comics that you just pick up their cadence or you pick up their rhythm and they're fun to do. You know what I mean? Like they have like a fun rhythm about the way they talk or the way they do their thing. And it's super addictive to pick up on. It's it's a it's it's difficult to be a sponge and absorb knowledge and then not imitate uh, a be a pale version of that. Um, we we have a guy in Indy who's been doing it like six years and he sounds exactly like Mitch Hedberg. No, yeah, like <laughs> he writes his own jokes. Like they aren't you know he doesn't steal anything, but he has the exact cadence. He has the exact style. The exact. And I'm just like, hmm. are we just, are we just letting, are we all just cool with this? All right. Cool. All right. <laughs> um, do you think that sometimes you have to go through that? Do you know what I mean? Like, I'll say this, I'll tie this back. Something um, we were talking about earlier. I think that like when it comes to influences and things like that, I think it's really, really hard for any individual to see themselves objectively. Right, like I think it's very hard to see yourself objectively. So you can have great influences and then still suck because the you for me the euphoria of writing a song is so much fun and sometimes playing a song and performing it that I can't always tell when it's good or bad when I'm caught up in the euphoria of the creation or execution process, right? But the next day when I listen back to it with fresh ears, or a week later, I'm like, oh, well, this shit sucks. You know, oh, I, well, I really like this a lot more than I thought I was going to. Because in the moment, I can't see myself objectively. Now, that being said, with you, Nate, when you were playing bass and you could see yourself objectively, maybe it's not actually that good to see yourself objectively. Because the truth is that, like, while Muzz is Muzz and all these people are who they are, who's to say that you couldn't have come up with something that while maybe not as technically crazy, because Sting is not a technical bass player at all. Some of his bass lines are, are not easy, and they're remarkably creative, but they're not necessarily hard. Well, right? I think like, more in terms of Sting is creative, and Muzz is creative right. and crazy. So right, but like, but I wonder, like, did you shortchange yourself by not seeing what you could bring to the table by just being you? 
Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes yeah. seeing yourself objectively could be a good thing. That's how maybe it was the best movie you made because then you found comedy and moved into that and did other stuff. You know what I mean? So maybe it was the right thing, but I wonder if, you know, like I'm learning how to play slide guitar and because I already know how to play an instrument, I know how bad I am at it. Do you know what I mean? Right? Like if I started <laughs> playing slide guitar at like 15, I'd be like, oh, I sound great. It'd be all attitude and shit, and I wouldn't know. But I do know, because I know some guys who are monstrously good, and I know I do not sound like them. But yet I chip away at that every day, a little bit every day. But it's hard, because I do know where I am in the pecking order. Like, I can hear very clearly that I wouldn't hire myself. Do you know what I mean? And if I, I go right, I go sit on somebody's gig who I wouldn't hire either, and they kick the shit out of me, and I'm like, "Wow, I just took a royal ass whooping." Now I enjoy that kind of thing. Like I feel like it puts hair on your chest, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like it's the kind of shit that makes you grow up a little bit when you get a not a not get beat up, but you know what I mean. You you kind of get a talking to sometimes <laughs> like you know musically like when you guys play when you guys open up for people or you're on a gig and the opener is like killing does that in like how do you take that stuff when you do get to see yourself objectively what does that do for you guys well let me quick i'll let jeff answer but i just have one thought when it comes to objectivity we are all in a unique position that we get feedback so right. <laughs> you write a song and say, wow, this is kicking and you play it and the audience just sits there like this or if i come up with a joke idea and go this is the best joke i've ever written and i perform it for an entire year and it's the joke that just bombs in my set right. I, know that I have to take it out so yeah. I think that's the nice thing about we can be objective in i think mm -hmm. the idea that understanding yeah, this no, that's true. Not that's response. True. This song does not get a response. I think yeah. being bullheaded would be, well, they don't like it, but it's my favorite joke, so I'm just going to keep doing ah, it. Well, I know some people like that. <laughs> <laughs> but they might actually watch this, so I'll keep my mouth shut. <laughs> I think uh, that when you're first starting out, like you mentioned, like you, it's almost detrimental that you aren't understanding of how bad you are because i don't think you'd keep doing it <laughs> like like i know when i first started out i used to go home and i'd listen to my tape with earphones in because i wanted to hear oh okay i heard somebody laugh and you know four years later you're driving home and you listen and you're like wait why didn't they laugh on that beat like before you're listening for the laugh to give you that confidence to go on mm -hmm. and four years later you're you're listening for the lack of that laugh because you know there should have been a laugh there and why wasn't there one because mm -hmm. in your head when you wrote that joke oh i'm gonna throw in this little side note which is gonna get this little laugh because i'm and then it doesn't and you're like wait why didn't that work whereas before you're like Oh my God, I can't believe that worked. Someone laughed in the back. I heard him like, <laughs> and it gives you this, you know, like, but then the further into it you get, I think you become almost super self-aware and mm -hmm. you, uh, you're like, wow, I am not like, like I'm very aware that I'm never going to be at a Bill Burr level or a Dave Chappelle level and stuff. Whereas I think when you're starting out, you're like, 
anyone can make it in this industry. And it's like, <laughs> you learn really quick that you are like, you may be funny as shit, but it takes a lot more than being funny as shit to make, to be an all-star stand-up fucking comedian. Like you got to have that fucking star quality and all that shit. As far I mean, in my opinion, I oh, could yeah, be wrong. Have people backing you, believing you, like oh. manager, agent, people pushing you constantly, saying, "Hey, this is the guy you want." You know. Well, let me ask you a question. Um, and I, I, whether people are Louis C.K. fans or not, I suppose is almost irrelevant, but. I know he said that he sucked for years and years and years. He was terrible. He was like doing Chinese like buffets and shit, like for like you know, and it was just awful, right? And then he found out that George Carlin wrote a new hour every year, so he just started writing a new one every eight months to a year, which forced him to dig deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, and then get to the stuff. And through, like, kind of just mining himself over and over and over again, he actually got to the point where his stuff is funny. I saw his new thing. Uh, it's funny. I mean, it's it's more shocking than it is funny. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's more like, oh, my God, I can't believe you fucking said that. You know what I mean? But just conceptually, like, taking him out of the picture, let's say not that we need to go deep into this if you don't want to, but, like, what do you think it is about you that would stop you from becoming a Chappelle or a Burr? Like, where is it that you feel like you're, you don't have what they have? And do you think what they have and what you feel you're lacking is something you're unable to attain through your own efforts? Does that make mm. sense? Oh, yeah, that, that totally makes sense. Okay. Do you want to go first, Nathan? Well, I think it was asking me because you were the one that brought up limitations. I mean, I mean, I, I, what I, I would say in response to that is going back to my being embarrassed to meet Sting as a musician and saying, I'm a musician too. I, I'm not saying I'm as good as Chappelle or Burr, but I would also not be afraid to meet them and go, oh, hey, I'm a comedian too. And I think there's enough difference in my own confidence or self-awareness or whatever you want to call it. You, talk, you say maybe my... I created it in my head, my limitations with music, because I was too worried about uh, my my self-perceived lim limitations. And I don't feel those in comedy. I'm not saying that I you know, should be a Bill Burr or a Dave Chappelle, but just the difference is if I were to meet one of them, I would have no problem saying, I'm a comedian too. And even mm -hmm. if they said, yeah, I saw your shit, it sucks. I'd be like, oh, that sucks, but still a comedian. Like, <laughs> right. Maybe it's it's delusion confidence. But I, 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 does that make sense? Where, where I, yeah, no, yeah. I'm a musician, but I, I don't like telling anyone I'm a fucking stand up comedian. Like, to be honest, like, I feel goofy as shit every time I do it. Like, I was helping my family roof their house over the weekend, and my brother had hired day laborers. And the one guy, like, I refused to get up on the roof, and he's like, Oh, how come you aren't getting up on the roof? And I go, wait, they say that in Spanish, and you're just translating it for us. Uh, <laughs> the actual, no, I would have been, I would have been ecstatic. 
and I don't care how fucking racist this is. At the end of the day, I was like, we couldn't find any fucking Mexicans. Like, these are the three fucking hillbilly white people you got. And like, we couldn't find, like, you realize there's people who, who fucking specialize in running up and down steep roofs. And they aren't these three white dudes you hired. Like, they suck. But the one guy is like, oh, you aren't getting up there? And I go, no, I make enough money. I don't have to climb up on the roof. Like, this is my parents' house. I'm not. I'm afraid of heights. My two best friends died from falling. I'm not getting up on that roof. So he goes, why, what do you do for a living? And my brother goes, <laughs> he goes he's a stand-up comedian. And he goes, Oh, that's really cool. And I was like, yeah. yeah. And he goes, and that like pays your bills. <laughs> and I was like, well, it used to, I go, uh, I go, I work at the Bob and Tom show. And that was the worst thing I could have said to three hillbillies. Cause those people were like, Oh awesome. my God, you know, Christian Lee, you know, and, uh, it's this Midwest radio show that uh, is loved by Trump fans across this great nation. And, um, make America great again. Yeah. So they, uh, I then had to just answer questions all day about the radio show, which was completely miserable. My wife hates it when, um, we meet new people and it comes up that I'm a comedian because I never have anything to say about it because it's my job and I've been doing it so long. And everybody, like you said, they 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 have this this sort of like, ooh, comedian, that's cool. I, I don't bump into that often. What's that like? And I'm like, oh, it's my job. And and because it's like they're they're excited and I'm bored. And so you make them feel bad. Like they're excited about your career and they want to hear you. And, but I I can't. I can't like. Well, I'm a comedian. I get on stage and people laugh and it's. I just I. <laughs> so yeah, I don't like people finding out I'm a comedian too for the first time. Where I I just I don't like talking about it be, for that reason. Where it becomes all about me. And you'd think that it would, should be all about me because I'm Mr. Ego. I want to stand on stage, but I also don't want to talk to you after I'm off stage. I just want to want to go back right. to the hole and crawl in the ground. And I mean, but I wonder, you know, like I was talking about this with a friend the other day. When people come up to you after a gig and they go, "Wow, you're really great," and then we go, "Ah, you know, that shit sucked." You know, it's offensive. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Because, when you and I talk about that. I, yeah. I don't do that anymore. I've, I've, yeah. I'm learning to take a compliment because, yeah, I agree with you. When someone compliments you and then you shit on their compliment by being even legit humble or false humility, it's inappropriate. So, I mean, you're also just kind of I'm like bad denying about that. reality. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, this is like not that we need to segue into to the race gender thing. But that's always the issue with racism and gender stuff. It's like if I say something happened to me and then a bunch of people, well, that's not how it happened. It was really like this and you're wrong about your your personal experience. I'm like, well, first of all, fuck you. Like, don't tell me how what, what happened to me and how I should interpret my experience, you know? And that's what it seems like on the a, on a same kind of level. Like if somebody came to your show and had a great time and then you say that, it's like you're telling them that they're stupid. Yeah. But they don't know how to interpret a situation properly. That's what you're kind of saying. But I wonder if there's a way, like when people find out that I'm a musician, there's always like, there's a handful of reactions. Like like what you said, oh, that's how you pay your bills. 
You know what I mean? There's always <laughs> that 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 reaction, or oh, that must be really cool, or whatever it is. And I'm always like, well, I always say, you know what? I love my job. I get paid to play. I get paid to wiggle my fingers on an instrument, and my coworkers are some of my best friends. You know, like say something nice about it. With, with it's honest, like my coworkers are some of my best friends or my coworkers, and I love what I do. I found though that when I stopped doing gigs I didn't like, I was able to answer that question a lot more honestly and enjoy having the conversation. You know what I mean? Not that I don't like doing weddings because when I was in a wedding band, it was again one of my best friends ran it, and so it was fun. Do you know what I mean? Like it was a good time, and I could say it was just like it wasn't the career I wanted. I didn't want to be a wedding band musician. Like when I was a little boy sitting in my bed talking on my little blue phone, talking about how one day I'm going to be. I Mr. can't wait to play other people's songs. I have right. all these things inside of me. I can't wait to right. express them by playing cover tunes. But I can't wait to play the top ten songs of this year, and then some version of some Frank Sinatra song. You know what I mean? But like. <laughs> You know, that wasn't my vision, right, when I was sitting home thinking about it. But when I, and the, but not that it was bad, because again, I had a lot of fun. It just wasn't the path I wanted to be on. But once I got on the path I wanted to be on, I found it much easier to talk about music from a perspective of joy. Like when somebody would say something and I would start thinking about what I do, I, would, I remember how much fun I was having, you know what I mean? Which changed the way I would talk about it. You know, uh, no offense, man. I've known you for what 42 minutes now, but you yes. seem like you just have like a really positive outlook on fucking life and have like a really good spirit about you. And I wish I could have that about me, but I am not that guy. Like, I, I, I aspire to be like you, but I. And I wish I could be like that. Like I, 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 like I love you. Like you have a beautiful soul, but I do not. I have a dark soul, and I just want people to leave me the fuck alone after a show. And I got all the shit I needed while I was on stage. Now we don't need to communicate anymore. Like, and I don't want to hear your racist ass Mexican joke. I don't want to hear like, like. Like, my son is part Mexican, and I talk about it on stage, and people's favorite thing to do is come up to me after a show and go, hey, man, I got a really funny Mexican joke for you. And I'm like, motherfucker, what part of, like, my son is partial Mexican do you not, like, I don't want to hear it. Like, I don't want to hear any of your racist shit. So I find it's best to not interact with the people who come to the shows I do and to go out the back door and go home. I don't have a Mexican son, but I can tell you, uh, uh, the, uh, using the number of uh, fingers on both my hands and toes, and Jeff, your fingers and toes, and I, so, so many times after a show, because I am white, I am a honky American, I will get approached and be given a racist joke just because like, hey, you're part of the club, aren't you? You can use this on stage. And it's like, oh bang. my God, no. Dropping N-bombs flat out because oh, you know, yeah. you're white, so you can tell this joke on stage. You know, you, you think it's funny and it's like, I fucking hate you. But <laughs> Well, and then it makes you, your whole drive home, you're like, what did I say? What about me am I putting out there 
on stage right. that this person goes, you know what? This guy wants to hear a fucking horrible joke about this minority. This guy's going to dig it. He's going to laugh his ass off and because I don't want to be sending that out because I don't fucking want to hear it. And I'll, you'll even go, no, I don't want to hear the joke. And they're like, no, it's really funny. And you're like, no, seriously, I don't want to hear your fucking joke. And they're like, no, just real quick. And you're like, no, seriously, I don't want to hear your N-word joke. And they're like, no, just real quick. So you, they still tell you, and then they, and then they get mad when you don't laugh at it. When they're, like, oh, you're too good to laugh. Oh, okay, I see how it is. And you're like, I told you seven times, I didn't want to hear your fucking joke. I just wanted you to buy a shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you didn't. I, I have two stories. Uh, I'll tell one is a story, and then the second one will wrap back around to what Barrett said. If I don't forget, the last time I had two thoughts in my head, and I told. Um, one of my favorite moments after a show was in Michigan at a casino, North Center. I, this guy comes up to me, he's like, and just the way he said it was so amusing that I had to ask him what was going on. He goes, I really liked you. I really liked most of what you were talking about. Like, I would say 90% of what you said was really funny and I liked. I'm like, really? What was the 10% you didn't like? And he said, well, your fag material, it sounds like you like them too much. And it's like, <laughs> because I had done, <laughs> I had done a marriage equality joke at the expense of straight people like bigots uh, before gay marriage or marriage equality was a thing. I, had, I was doing a marriage equality joke and, it, and he took umbrage to that. And I'm like, well, good. Then you, opposite of what Jeff just said, you are the exact target for that audience. I want you to know that I don't agree with your position. Um, so, but to wrap around what uh, Barrett said a little while ago, I think I am getting better uh, at not belittling people because I was able to, two weeks ago, get on stage. Um, there's a club in Des Moines, a little a club that's beautiful, Teehees Comedy Club. I absolutely love it it's my it was my first time there and the 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 vibe the owner has created for that show the the ambience just you you walk in and you just feel good there are certain rooms where you walk in and you get a negative feeling or a neutral this anyway um so my family my 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 wife has family there and i said i'm gonna be in town Do you, would you put me up and i got on stage I don't know if I any, could anybody hear that. I always yeah. Get a, did someone I, just flush a toilet? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> flush the <a> toilet. <laughs> That's why I paused because someone just took a big old power shit and flushed the toilet right above me. <laughs> um. So anyway, I I I come just rusty. I got on stage for the first time since March, and I was stumbling and 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 speaking like I am now and. and, <laughs> and, and and so I got done and I was getting an okay response. When I got done, people were coming up to me saying, that was so funny. And instead of saying, no, I sucked or really, I, 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 what I said was, wow, thank you for saying that. I felt really rusty up there because I've not been on stage in a few months and it felt good, but I, I was really off my game. And they're like, no, I had fun. I'm like, well, thank you so much for telling me that. I needed to hear it. I, I was trying to be a beacon of positivity and in a, in a in a good way, not in a, yeah, thanks. I, I'm pretty funny, aren't I? Not, no ego <laughs> involved. It, it right. was 
like good ego that they were affirming my ego but in a very nice way that wasn't you know swinging my dick it was just wow thank you i really enjoyed hearing you say you had a good time at a show that i thought was subpar you it it really made me feel nice thank you for saying that to me so and and i think that validated them i would hope we'd have to call them all up and interview them uh now but you know i don't think we can do that because i have no clue they were i've gotten a lot better about just going Thank you very much, and thanks for coming out. Like yeah. I, because before I, I would I'd be like, oh, uh, dude, I sucked. You should have been here last show. Like uh, the early show, I was on fire. This one, yeah. I, I blew ball. You know, they don't want to hear my yeah. And like finally one day, it just dawned on me. I'm like, oh yeah, they don't give a shit. Uh, they, just, they, and they don't want to hear that. Oh, I should have no. done the last show. Great. Well, uh, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, uh, so yeah, I've gotten much better about just saying thank you. And, um, I still, I will never get comfortable with signing autographs. Um, never been asked. So don't have to worry about that. You're <laughs> full of shit. Okay. Like you sell stuff. I've never asked you to sign it. Does that count? Sign my CD because I don't think that counts. That to me is not an autograph. An autograph is like, holy shit, there's that guy. I want his autograph. Buying a CD, I don't, because I've done that. I've signed shirts, but I, I, I you've never signed like ticket stubs and shit. Yeah, I've signed that stuff, but I don't look at that as autographs. I look at that as mementos. Like they went to a comedy show. They don't care who I am. They just want a memory of the evening. Or at least yeah. that's the way I justify it in my head, so I don't have to. Th- I don't know. I I, I find it weird either way. Like I just like whenever anyone wants anything of my like, even when they want my album and stuff, I'm like, what are you doing? Like why? <laughs> what? That guy has get his album after the show. So I, I actively want to sell them crap because I need the money. I I'm horrible at it. I have no self confidence when it comes to after the show uh, dealings with, uh, and and as and I know I joked about the, the I play a lot of small towns throughout the Midwest, and there there are a few shitty people. On a whole, right. on a whole, most of the people are fucking yeah. awesome. They are super grateful that you came to their town yes. and brought comedy. Yep. They want a picture. They want to post it on Facebook. They you know, out. you go to a big city and they've got everything to do. So they don't go to comedy, you go to a small town mm-hmm. and there are 200 people there. And- oh, they treat you like a rock star. Yeah. Yeah. They want their, they want their picture taken with you when you're all sweaty and they're putting their arms around you and you're like, Oh, I'm gross. And they don't give a shit. And you're just kind of Olivia Newton, John, let's get physical act. Do you do on stage where you're sweaty? I just stand there. Oh dude. (laughs) I, I sweat like no one's business. It is. And I've gotten it under control. When I first started stand up comedy, I sweated so much, like I needed like the earthquake towel with me. Like I had to right. dab like throughout my set, but <laughs> it's just nerves. I sweat um, profusely. Not, you ever use secret? It's not just for women. No, out my forehead, down my chin. <laughs> like I auditioned for Dave Stroop, which is like this yeah, dude I, who I, books I, a shit ton of of comedy clubs around the the country, and I. 
bombed so bad. I had so much sweat hanging in my mustache that as I spoke, it just shot out through the light and people were covering their nachos up on the stage because they could just see all the shit flying out. and all the, all, every bit of phlegm in my brain landed in the back of my throat so for seven minutes of a set i had to constantly go mm, ah, and then mm, ah, and then just sweat like my whole nipples are sweating through my shirt it was the the worst addition anyone could have ever done uh i john reap was there and i came off stage and he walks up to me and goes what the fuck was that and I just go, I go, yeah, man, I, I, I flopped. <laughs> I'll he see you tomorrow. He said, are you okay? Are you having a heart attack or a stroke? <laughs> it was so bad. It was the worst I've ever done ever. In, and there were like 250 people there. I bombed ass. Yeah. yeah. I'll say, you know, nobody comes up and asks me to, nobody tells me racist jokes. I mean, people do. People tend to, much like your part Mexican son joke, a lot of people want to tell me black jokes because they think I'll find them funny for some reason. And some They're of them are, me. actually. I tell you black jokes all well, the fucking exactly. time. Exactly. But, I mean, some of them are actually funny. Uh, let me try to think of one that was actually funny. Do you like the thing I sent you yesterday? <laughs> that was kind of amusing. That was, that was funny. It was a uh, gender reveal party, except yeah. so it was, it was a, a white couple and there was a gender reveal and they were burning something so it was pink or blue smoke but it was black smoke and there was a black guy standing looking at the smoke like oh shit i'm busted it was <laughs> i i saw that a few like maybe it was sometime last year uh i write for a calling character for uh the radio show i work for and he's kind of uh i don't know smart hillbilly type character and that was uh he went to his, you know, his hot cousin's gender reveal party, and uh, you know, when when she cut into it, it was chocolate swirl, and so her her boyfriend was super shitty, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> and it was, and when I saw that, I was like, oh my god, I had the same idea. Like, I felt good. Like, yeah, that's funny. I think we interrupted Barrett though. So, you, so people tell you black jokes. I think is where I, yeah. I interrupted you. I partly But I'll say this: I found something very similar, right? Like. Down south, up north, you know, in the sticks, in the woods, Midwest. I don't know, man. Whenever we play, people are always – I meet some of the nicest people on the road. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like I really do. Like, I, I know that everybody talks about all these places as being really shitty and flyover states and rednecks and all kinds of stuff. And I've met lots of rednecks, and they're all really cool to me. You know what I mean? Like – in a way that maybe I don't know what it is. Maybe music is different. Maybe it's like I'm just one guy, so I don't pose a threat to anybody. Or maybe it's just that people are actually kind of decent. I don't know. As you said, like I, I, I tend to be like pretty easygoing and have a good spirit, I think was the thing you said. So maybe I'm just trying to see the good in people. Because, like, I mean, honestly, when I see certain things, they terrify me. Do you know what I mean? Like when I see big ass pickup trucks and like dudes in them with like all their conservative virtue signals, 
all over their truck and shit. You know what I mean? All that conservative and Republican virtue signaling stuff, like that scares the shit out of me. But then I have a conversation with people, and as long as we don't talk about race, we actually get along really well. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's Can I interrupt and thing. ask you both a question? Yeah. Either of you watched the new Borat? Yeah, I saw that. No. Okay, well, even if you didn't see it, Jeff, you've seen the previews, right? Right, yeah. So you know that he, at one point, uh, is outside a liquor store, and he's talking to this guy with a beard, and, he, and the guy goes, we, we, he goes, what is everybody? He's like, quarantine. You got, you got to say, we got the virus. And he goes, can I stay with you? And then there's a super cut to him with these two hillbilly guys. You remember seeing yeah. that in the preview? No, but the whole point is he he goes and stays with these two guys that are into QAnon, like they they are they are right wing, and I really felt let down by that whole segment because I I saw him interviewed and he said yeah, these are the two nicest guys you'll ever meet, and they just have these really weird beliefs and I really wish he had gone further in down that path in the movie because he was doing. I, I like uh, the movie. I thought it was funny, but he was doing shit like dancing around in a dildo in his underpants with a big black dildo trying to get a reaction out of them. Where I thought the more interesting aspect was, I don't know what they said to him. I think they were using that uh, he's filming a documentary and he doesn't know America. But these two guys, the, these two QAnon, quote, racist hillbilly guys invite this foreigner into their house. You know, he's like, can I stay with you in the However, it worked out. And then they have these conversations where they're like, uh, you've seen it in the commercial. What is worse, virus or Democrats? Oh, Democrats. But still, they're, it, like, they saw someone <laughs> in need, and maybe they were given money, but they, they didn't like, in my house, fuck you. You know, they didn't. Right. And maybe they ran into 20 of those guys before they got someone to take them in. You know, it's editing. It's a right. movie. But I, I thought it would have been more interesting to go down the path oh, of what makes these two guys that like Barrett says, you look at them and you think, Oh shit, you know, Confederate flags, guns, and don't go near them. But at their core, they're still people. They have beliefs that I do not understand and they vote in a way that I do not like. And I probably have beliefs I don't like, but they were willing to welcome this guy into their house and talk to them. I mean, they, they met on a certain level and I thought that was more interesting than putting on a dildo and dancing around them trying to get a reaction. I thought it would have been more interesting to find commonality and or, I don't know, treat them more. I mean, well, I assume we'll be wrapping up soon. So we yeah, we're hitting an talk. hour. So we'll, we'll talk about race and gender for just a second. I do find that when the conservatives say that the liberals are being a bit divisive in certain ways, I find it comical because I find them to be remarkably divisive, right? But I do agree with you that there's a point at which quote-unquote educated liberal people tend to look down on the other people who are not like that and do things that are specifically designed to make them look stupid. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, well, that's not actually cool. You know what I mean? Right. Like I was, I was watching like a bunch of '90s comedy for some reason. Like I was flipping through some stuff, and it was like every black comedian was like, "White people can't dance. White people can't do this. White people can't do that." And I was like, "Oh, you know, well, that was 
There was a whole lot of that back then, wasn't there? And I, you know, <laughs> so much that made the Simpsons, where uh, right. <laughs> black people drive like this, and white people, and Homer, <laughs> it's true, we're so lame. Right. <laughs> right. Like, I kind of get how, like, if I was a white person, that would just be annoying to me. To like, every time I turned on the TV, somebody's just shitting on me about something that Dude. is actually kind of irrelevant and stupid. I'm sorry, I mean, but I love that comedy. I think <laughs> nothing makes me laugh harder than a black comedian doing a white guy voice. And and I don't care if it's racist. I feel like it's the least they could do is make fun of us. And uh, I welcome it. And I find it absolutely hilarious. Like, it doesn't bother me in the least bit. Um, I, I think it's always funny when, uh, when, uh, they do a, uh, white guy. Cause it's always like the nerdiest, dorkiest, uh, oh, well, hello there, sir. Boom. Like, it's always this like way over the top white guy of which I know like one guy like that of all the white people I've ever met, but they always like pick the nerdiest, like most uptight corn cob up the ass white guy to impersonate. And I love it. That's hilarious. That's funny. Well, let's, let's leave it on that light note instead of going down a, uh, another, uh, uh, I don't know, a thoughtful path. If we, if we'd done that tonight, I have no idea. Um, but Jeff, Jeff, thanks for sitting in with us. Appreciate it very much. Nice. Yeah, uh, I appreciate you having me. Well, it, yeah. to, to anybody that made it this far that wants to know, Jeff posted on Facebook, yes, I want to be on your podcast. Just as an open, that was his uh, status update. So I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll challenge you on that. Be on my podcast. And then here he is. So. Well, I, uh, you're uh, one of the few people who uh, it comes up in my feed every day on my Facebook. And you always... Uh, you know there's a hide button, right? Unfollow. Yeah, and, and, and that's what I'm saying. You, you have... You have uh, you have successfully never been hidden. That's what I'm saying. Is like even and you're a. I'll say this: you post more than anyone else in my feed, and I still don't block you. And I enjoy wow. I enjoy what you have to say, and I, I I've always loved your sense of humor, and so I appreciate you having me on. And it was super nice meeting you. Yeah, and, you uh, too, man. Yeah, I would, I would, uh, I would I'm happy uh, you come back, and I appreciate the kind words. I feel the same way every time I've seen you do comedy, which has not been often enough. Well, thank you, sir. Yeah. All right, kids. Uh, oh, you, you got your Twitter up there. Do you have a website? Do you want to hit pl quick? No, just my right. Twitter, Instagram, all that shit. There you go. Antargoodwin.com, katiehenrymusic.com. Antar is the uh, musical director for that band, and I'm at NathanTimmel.com. Thanks for watching, and uh, yeah. you, know, you can always say nice things about us in reviews and or hit that share button when you see this. All right. Yeah.